loads and loads of new changes going on. The app that I used to record my podcast on is no longer available. So I've spent most part of the last hour trying to figure out how to now record this new episode. Here we are, guys. <laughs> so you probably didn't get the sweet flute intro, but I'm figuring things out. And I just really wanted to put this out there because it's, again, just been something that has been uh, coming up for me and a part of my personal experience that I thought could be helpful to share as always on this podcast. I share loads of my own experiences. Um, it's kind of more like a storytelling. So welcome back if you have been here before. Um, welcome if it's your first time. My name is Lana and I am by profession a nutritionist, Reiki practitioner, yoga teacher, sound practitioner um, and I used to have a wellness space in Notting Hill called Life Space that closed due to the pandemic. Uh, now I am back in London and I've spent the last year and a half in Dubai making my way to more permanent moves as I'm back in London packing up my flat that has held me for a good 10 years now actually. Wow. So yeah, lots of changes going on right now. And I know that's kind of been the theme for many people in this sort of last year and a half or two years, uh, especially during the pandemic. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of change, a lot of loss, a lot of um, new doors opening. But at the moment, it's been quite uh, a lot of great shifts or I guess a lot of deep um unlearning uh, a deep re kind of or unconditioning I don't even know if that's a word um, but yeah it's been showing us a lot of deep heavy stuff <laughs> and uh, many of us have been facing a lot of our fears a lot of anxiety a lot of depression may have come up for people for the first time uh, I know a lot of friends that have been experiencing feelings and emotions they maybe had been so greatly distracted from before with work, with life. And, you know, this pandemic has really kind of pushed us into slowing down. And it, within that, there has been so much needing to face the realities and the, the truths of stuff that we have been kind of burying deep in our subconscious. And that's not just in our individual lives, but also in the collective so there's a lot happening right now and that's sort of what led me to this topic which is searching for a savior because it tends to be when we're faced with a lot of stuff or when we're feeling overwhelmed that we look for sometimes a savior a knight in shining armor to come and carry us and pick us up and ride us home on his beautiful white horse. Uh, we maybe attach ourselves to things or relationships that give us that sense of sort of safety or validation or fill that void within that we believe tells us everything is okay. So, yeah, Whew. a lot going on. A lot of conversations I'm having are with a lot of friends who have started therapy for the first time this year. 
which is incredible. There is absolutely no shame in seeking help or uh, I've been speaking to a lot of clients as well who have been stepping forward and are ready and committed to, to, to face their wounds, to face themselves, to heal, to be able to hold space for themselves. You know, a lot of clients willing to step up and take that, take that step which is a very courageous one, to being able to really look at who we are as a whole, who we truly are behind the masks, behind the facade, behind the personalities that we have put up, some as a form of defense, some as a way of distraction. We turn to the parts of ourselves that we have spent rejecting for so long, we spent running away from for so long, and I'm noticing that there are quite a lot of people that I'm coming into contact with who are really ready and willing to do this kind of work. So thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it's not only a great growth for us, uh, it doesn't only serve us, but it serves the entire collective. Because what we are on the inside reflects all around us on the outside and everything we see on the outside can be a great reflection of where we have work to do on the inside not always a case but um, it's that cheesy old saying if we want to change the world start with ourselves first <laughs> and like that it creates a sort of ripple effect into the collective so whatever change it is that we want to see outside and all around us, where is it within us where we hold greed, where we hold hatred, where we hold fear, where we hold jealousy, where we hold all of these feelings which are in essence vibrations, where are we holding these within ourselves, maybe buried so deep in our subconscious we're not even aware of it. That's our shadow, Carl Jung speaks about a lot. That's our shadow. So where in ourselves do we hold that? And how can I work through my own wounds to help transmute that anger, that fear, that jealousy, that greed, that hatred into love? And that's not invalidating the feelings. And that's definitely not going, oh, you are not worthy being here. Anger grief, sadness, fear, that I need to constantly be in this state of love, in the state of like, because I'm sure we know by now that is just so not a reality. So how can I acknowledge those parts of me and meet them with acceptance, meet them with affection, meet them with allowance, meet them with attention, the five A's that David Rico, a great author, speaks about in his book, How to Be an Adult in Relationship. Those are essentially the ingredients of love. Attention, affection, acceptance, allowance, acknowledgement. So just as we would aim to give those to a loved one, to a child that we love or a loved one, one, one that we care for, 
We practiced giving those to ourselves, but especially not only when we feel we are worthy for it, which is when we are shining and at our best, but especially when we are showing or when we are the parts of us that we have for so long rejected. And maybe that was a core learning from a core wound early on in childhood. Maybe there was a part of us that was rejected growing up and we learned then to reject ourselves. So we're relearning how to, especially when we're going through inner child work and wound work, you know, when I travel back to an old wound that needs healing and tending to, and those feelings of fear, that afraid 14-year-old girl that went through so much change in her life, that, that, you know, that little girl that clung on to anything to give her a sense of safety, uh, that girl that was, um, you know, partaking in destructive behaviors to run away from the reality of what was happening, you know, those are parts of myself that I maybe at one point in my life would have rejected and been like, ugh, because it's painful to go there. But how can we meet those parts of ourselves and practice giving those five A's to ourselves in the process? So when we're meeting that icky part of us, it's like, how can we curiously look more deeply at those parts of ourselves with compassion, with the utmost compassion. Anyways, I digress slightly. It's all related. So typically when we're in these states and we are almost drowning in our feelings, and maybe it doesn't need to be that extreme. Maybe we're just going through stuff and we're still floating above the water, but there are painful things happening in our lives. And we kind of, you know, might say, oh, I wish I could just have someone like come and give me this or pick me up and tell me everything's going to be okay. Or um, oh, I wish I could just have a coach that would do it all for me or you know, I wish I could just go to a healer and they'd snap their fingers and this would all be over. And I share this because it's quite funny. I was um in Dubai a couple of months ago when I was there for a year and a half. And it had been a very big couple of years for me. And I hadn't actually taken a moment to stop and reflect on that and give myself that attention and acknowledgement. But it, there had been a lot of loss, a lot of loss from um, the loss of a relationship and an engagement, the loss of a business, uh, the loss of my uh, sweet dog, Kilo, who passed after 14, 15 years of living, uh, the loss of my uh, grandfather's health when he was hospitalized, the loss of my father's health when he had to have surgery on his heart, the um, loss experiences, financial change during the pandemic. Um, 
And then sort of the, the loss of home, leaving London and uh, the loss of, of, you know, what I remember London once being. It just felt like it, you know, hasn't been the same since many years ago. So grieving that loss, you know, there's been a lot of loss and a lot of change along the way. Then a loss of another relationship. So, you know, I didn't really stop to acknowledge or give myself attention or compassion for having gone through so much loss. And the natural response to loss is grief. And I'm actually rereading an amazing book at the moment called uh, It's Okay to, to Not Be Okay by Morgan Devine. And it's a really beautiful book on grief and loss for anyone that has experienced loss and experience or, or death and loss doesn't always have to be death. Um, it can be all the things I, I just mentioned and way more. Um, so for anyone that, you know, has experienced it, is experiencing it and would really love a beautiful book. Uh, this is it's called It's OK to Not Be OK by Morgan Devine. I really recommend it. And. It is something that we all go through. It is a universal experience loss. So it's beautiful to be able to have spaces where that grief, the natural response to loss is honored. But that's still not so much a thing in our culture and in society, especially in the Western world. Uh, where we have that space to be able to actually grieve, to be able to grieve. And the three core emotions of grief are anger, sadness, and fear. But not that many spaces hold, uh, not that many places hold space for people to be able to grieve. And it's kind of like this thing that needs to be hurried up and, you know, it's kind of given a time frame or, you know, it's been two years, you should be over it by now. And you know, the, it, anyways, Morgan Devine goes into this a lot in her book and it's beautiful. And so a lot of the time, in order to try and get on with it, we suppress our own feelings of loss. We suppress our own grief and we try to do just that, get on with life. And unfortunately with that, while we think we may be dealing with it, we're not dealing with it at all. And it can show up as... Obviously, they're then accumulated emotions from these experiences that we hold in our bodies, even though we think we're dealing with them by shoving them to one side. We hold these experiences and these emotions in our bodies. And then we may feel overwhelmed. Maybe physically we're not feeling as good. Maybe physically we have more ailments, symptoms coming up. Uh, we may feel more tired, our immune systems may, maybe we notice we're getting more sick more frequently. Uh, you know, we're not feeling at our optimal. We're not feeling that vitality, perhaps. Maybe we're more tired. Maybe we then start experiencing anxiety, depression, and we just feel like our health is falling apart. Or we engage in repeated destructive behaviors to varying degrees. Maybe we binge eat, maybe we're drinking more, maybe we're chain smoking, maybe we've started smoking, maybe we're in then toxic relationships or we're hanging around people that don't best serve our highest selves. You know, these things can happen in small amounts through months, days, years, weeks. And so we go through life 
with our heads just about floating above the water. Deep down, feeling overwhelmed. But yet trying to make everything look good on the outside or feel good. And that's our ego. <laughs> that kind of tells us, stay above the surface. Because it's trying to protect us. Our ego is not bad. We need it. But how much does the ego dominate, over-dominate? And how does that affect us when the ego dominates? How much does it remove us from our true self or from self-inquiry and going into those deeper parts of ourselves? You know, we may be falling apart on the inside but on the outside, we're trying to maintain this image of everything is perfect and everything is great. <laughs> or I'm just going to keep going as long as I keep going to the gym, as long as I keep, you know, eating well. But oh, but I binged. Oh, but and I feel crap for it. OK, so I'll just start eating good again. And But then we, we you know, we keep finding ourselves in these cycles and it's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle. And it's like at some point we get exhausted and we're just like, oh, I just want someone to come and save me. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I wish I could just have someone do this for me. And I remember feeling exactly that. I was going for a cycle and I was really pushing myself. So my sister lives just right by this cycling track. It's like a nine kilometer cycling track. And I know for me, movement, whether it's dance, whether it's any kind of form of movement um, can be so healing for me mentally, emotionally and physically, it's medicine. And so I know, you know, sometimes when I'm not including movement as part of my sort of everyday, that things can feel quite stagnant and I can feel quite crappy. And so I was really kind of pushing myself to make an effort before acknowledging anything of what I had experienced in the last few years. It was just kind of like an everyday, like, right, we've got to get onto it, right, do my work, get up, do my emails, work, um, go for a cycle eat something nourishing, but then I'd be craving something comforting because obviously deep down I was grieving, but not acknowledging my grief. Um, and then I'd feel guilty for like, oh, I just ate so much crap. But like, there was like this overriding feeling of emotions that I, that I wasn't seeing to, and it was coming out in other ways. It was coming out in relationships. It was coming out just in the way I was feeling. It was coming out in my choices. It was coming out in who I was choosing to be around, the environment I was choosing to be in. Um, what I was choosing to, choosing to consume. And I was kind of trying to keep afloat by doing the things that I knew, like the tools that I'd learned that helped, that, that help heal. But I now realize looking back that even though I always have those tools that help heal, one of the most important ones is being able to sit with ourselves. And as being able to give ourselves that acknowledgement, that attention, that affection, just to be able to like take a moment and go, well, yeah, you've been through a lot. That empathy that we have for others 
to be able to sit there, turn around and say, yeah, it's been a tough few years, dude. Like, ouch. Like, give yourself a moment. (laughs) Give yourself a break. You know, stop being so hard on yourself and stop trying to fight so hard for something to be in a place that you're putting pressure on yourself to be in because that is where you feel worthy. I've got to be better to feel worthy. I've got to be better to feel loved. I've got to be happy. I've got to be smiling. I've got to be successful because that's where I think I am worthy and that's where I perceive the world will only then see me as worthy. And that unworthiness, that, those feelings of unworthiness don't just come from our own sort of, you know, conditioning and learning around ourselves or our, our core wounds or our core beliefs that we built around uh, core wounds but it, it does also it's a very much a societal thing because if I don't know how to find uh, or if I don't know how to recognize my worthiness every day in every situation no matter what arises for me I got interrupted with a call there or if I if I I'm unable to hold space for myself in all my emotions without judgment, without opinion, without advice. How am I able to do that for anyone else? And, you know, where were we taught that? Where were we taught to hold space for ourselves? Where were we taught that it's okay to be in our feelings and it's okay to express what we may seem as negative or um the sort of lesser wanted emotions of uh, sadness, of fear, of anger, or, you know, where were we taught to to really sit with those and, and, and to transmute those into love? Where were we taught to express ourselves through those emotions so we could let them go to become love? You know, we, we weren't, many of us weren't. And... So then how, if we can't be that for ourselves, how can we be that for others? So yes, when we feel in our grief, when we, when we are experiencing loss, when we are not feeling at our most optimal, we feel unworthy because society doesn't make space. For life where we're not at our best we've got to be good we've got to keep working we've got to get up we've got to smile we've got to you know put on this mask that says everything is great and I'm happy and I'm okay and I'm excelling in my work and I'm successful and I'm achieving and I have a perfect picture family and I have this and I have that in order to feel worthy which is just absolute fucking bullshit So sometimes when we are in the depths of our darkness, and it doesn't even have to be that deep, but when we touch, even when we start to begin to touch our own darkness,
or even subconsciously when our darkness starts to rise within us but we're unwilling to touch it yet or to look into it but it comes up from our subconscious and it's coming out of us in many ways as I said physically emotionally mentally uh, it can feel really overwhelming and of course we can sit there and be like I just want to be saved I just want to click my fingers and feel okay again. And so it comes from such a minor place in my story where I was cycling on this track and I was just really pushing myself along and I was exhausted and I was so angry and so pissed off at this cycle that I was like, oh, I hate doing this. And like, I'm so not in the mood, but I know I have to do this because I know I need to move because I know that is my medicine. And like, just go. But I was literally swearing the entire time. And I was like, fuck this shit. I hate this shit. Why am I doing this? And I was just cursing the entire time, moving so slow. But it was such a hard struggle, the entire nine kilometer ride. I was just like, and it's not like that for me all the time, but this day particularly. And I was just like, I'm so tired. And then towards the end of the cycle, I was like, why can't I accept that I'm just so tired? And I was like, yeah. And I was literally having this conversation for my, with myself because then I went into, oh, I just, and it's that wanting of support as well. And there's absolutely nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong. There's no, there's no right. There's no good. There's no bad. We need support. We, we thrive in community as humans. It is, you know, it is very unnatural for us to, um, to live a life entirely alone, you know, and, and, and when I mean alone, I don't mean physically alone, but, you know, in, in the way that we connect with others, how do we connect with others? Because we could be in a room full of people, but still feel so lonely. So how do we connect? And it's, it is, you know, it's the, the biggest, most transformative part of my journeys has come from the support I've been able to have around me. Very few people, but, it takes one or two people of that support, solid support that we can have around us. And some people come in, a, in and out of our lives. They're not always there to stay for good. But to have that community, to have that support, those reminders, essentially, people who are also in their own journeys, doing their own deep inner work, reflecting the love of the divine so that when we are lost away from that, they are reminding us of that truth. And they are there with us to journey with us. And uh, we just act as reminders for each other. You know, it could also be someone else's darkness reminds me of my own. And teaches me to go back to those parts of myself again and meet them with complete compassion. But I was cycling along and I was like laughing to myself because I was just feeling so sorry for myself, like almost crying on the bike, being like, oh, I wish I just had a coach to do it all for me, like someone that would just wake me up every day and like feed me a nourishing meal and like, you know, motivate me or take me out to go for a cycle or like work with me, but be gentle and be tender and be loving. And all of a sudden I was listing all these qualities of this person that I wanted to come into my life to give me all these things that I was evidently missing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, 
for them to be gentle and like tender but you know also motivating and at the same time just understanding and you know who's able to give me that space to be and to emotionally heal and you know give me you know energy practices and remind me to breathe and remind me to meditate remind me to pray and you know give me my water give me my food and give me a massage and did it like I was literally like oh my god the fantasy like this dream I was curate creating in my head and then I burst out laughing and I was like well this is obviously what I need to give to myself (laughs) and here I've just said it out loud and I just in that moment stopped and I was like whoa okay so this is what I'm looking for, actually. That is what I need. And so how, and I, I need that from myself. It's like I'm so desperately looking for the saviour to come and do this all for me. But how have I been doing that for myself? I haven't. So like, why don't I start there? I'm meeting my own needs. By becoming that loving, kind nurturer towards myself. And in therapy, I mean, that's such a large part of the reparenting. Essentially, we become our own parents again. So it's like, how can I feel held? How can I hold myself and tell myself everything's going to be okay? And get myself out of bed in the morning and even if it's a simple slow morning of getting in the shower and having a nourishing meal maybe moving slowly and I know it's tough it's so hard to be that for ourselves it really 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 is especially when we feel overwhelmed especially when we feel um you know, not our greatest. It's, it's an, it's, it's, it's really, it's an effort. It's tough because we are then essentially putting ourselves into practicing being love for ourselves. And again, that's not something that we're taught or that we so easily learn. It's a process. How can I be that loving parent to myself? that tells myself everything's okay, that makes a nourishing dinner and puts myself in the bath and rubs on all my favorite essential oils and, you know, gets into my comfiest pajamas and curls into a ball with my favorite book and, you know, puts on my favorite animation or whatever it is that, that really cuddles us from the inside and out that feels like a big, warm, loving hug from ourselves. And that takes time. And it's a pattern that we may experience a lot in romantic relationships, as well as all relationships around us, whether it's work, whether it's friendship. But, you know, sometimes we search for that savior most commonly in romantic relationships and so I remember the very first time I went to a relationship workshop with my therapist Donna Lancaster 
there was a group of maybe 30 of us men, women of all ages sitting together and she opened with, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but if you're waiting for a knight in shining armor to come rescue you, I'm here to tell you he's never coming. (laughs) And I just, I remember that and I laughed so much looking back because the energy shift in the room when everyone heard that, it was like you could hear the heart shattering. You could hear this heartbreak of like, what? (laughs) Um... And I just remember feeling like, ouch, that is a truth. And it was really interesting because then obviously we went into the learning of meeting our own needs and being that for ourselves. Being our own knight in shining armor and giving that to ourselves and how much we actually depend on others to meet our needs. And those expectations can be really, really tricky and really dangerous because we place all these expectations for someone else to meet our needs and 99% of the time they're never met so we end up in this constant state of as Penelope Cruz says it in um, that Barcelona film I forgot what it's called (laughs) we end up in a state of chronic dissatisfaction and disappointment And we kind of keep ourselves stuck and we're searching for this person to come and save us, but they're never coming. Or if we think they're there, we then realize they're not it. And we try and we keep searching and we keep searching and we end up in this state where we are just constantly in search. (laughs) Forgetting that we are it and it is ourselves that we need. So how can we be that for ourselves and also create a community around us that doesn't do it for us but reminds us of this love, reminds us that we have this space to heal or that a community that holds the space for us to be that for ourselves. And we can't just jump and skip right to love. These spaces really have to be able to hold this space that allows us to grieve first. We're not bypassing. Because then again, that would be just rejecting the parts of life in ourselves that are a reality. The hard stuff, the nitty gritty, the ugly, the stuff that we're so good at rejecting. We don't want to be in a cycle of bypassing that just to quickly skip and jump to love. No, that's what we've done for so long that has only been harmful because to feel true love, to be true love and to feel acceptance, true acceptance of oneself, we need to accept all aspects of ourselves, not only the parts that we deem worthy or the society deems worthy. So these spaces really, you know, that's, this is why I'm so passionate about holding 
these spaces and circles and the listening circles and if you know any of you have kind of been following my work or have been working with me over the last few years you know for the last six years I was holding listening circles in 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 my home in my living room and then in other spaces creating the space to be able to express these emotions or these aspects of ourselves that we so typically reject. Spaces that allow us to flow through the emotions, that energy and motion of anger, of fear, of sadness, of jealousy, of grief, where there is no judgment. No judgment. Because we all, if there's one thing that we know, is we all experience these states. None of us on this earth are truly fully enlightened otherwise I believe we wouldn't be on this earth because the point of our purpose on this earth is to transcend our consciousness forever we may go after if we believe in it or not but to transcend our consciousness to reach this to, to, to reach love and while we're here we are given the gift of feeling we are given we are we are you know in a dimension where there is duality, where as, as much as there is love, there is also pain. As much as there is light, there is also darkness. And that is the part of, that is, that is a huge part of this human experience. So the one thing that we all know we have in common is that we all feel these feelings, is that we all at some point in our lives have touched jealousy, have touched greed, have touched hatred, have probably thought the most fucked up things in our heads, but we keep it in in fear of being judged because we are so quick to judge. And when we judge, who are we actually judging? When we judge others, we are actually judging those parts in ourselves that we have rejected, that we judge so harshly. And we don't accept those parts of ourselves. So, of course, how am I going to accept that in someone else? I will sit and judge it. Ew, that person, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. <laughs> it's like, uh, hang on. Oof, like I'm being so judgmental towards that person. What is that? Wh what is it within me that this person is mirroring or reflecting to me that I've been unable to accept in myself? And that's a hard truth to sit with for many people. And, you know, many of us avoid that for most, if not all, our lives. We deflect. We don't want to accept that that's the truth. Because whatever it is that is within us, that deep that we've rejected, might be so painful, maybe wrapped around so much trauma that it's too painful for us to even acknowledge. So we deflect and deflect and deflect. So yeah, these listening circles or spaces that you can find, finding communities that hold true, authentic spaces. There's a lot of stuff in, you know, the world of wellness and spirituality that does bypass and, you know, can create an environment for toxic positivity where everything is love and light and that's not reality. It's, um, it's not just, you know, sitting in meditation 
and reaching peace immediately. It's sitting in meditation to draw that insight into a deeper self-inquiry that allows whatever needs to arise to arise, but then meeting it also with complete compassion. So when we feel the anger, it's how can I be compassionate towards myself? My doorbell rang one second. (laughs) So yeah, how can we be our own damn saviors? (laughs) How can we be that loving, compassionate lover even to ourselves when we need it most? And again, it's not easy and that's something that takes practice. And essentially that practice comes from how we are able to sit with ourselves when we do feel pain. Because we can't be that loving, compassionate, kind lover to ourselves if we're constantly in distraction or running away. The first part of being that lover towards ourselves or that savior towards ourselves is allowing, one of the five A's, allowing ourselves to be however we may be in that moment. To acknowledge another one of the five A's, how we are feeling in that moment. To give ourselves attention when we are. So to take a moment to really check in, to sit and go, whoa, wait, hang on. How am I feeling right now? And I like to do this sometimes just by closing my eyes and putting a hand on my heart, putting my hand on my heart and maybe another hand on my womb space or just beneath my navel. And I just take a moment to breathe and I notice my breath and I notice my body and I notice how I'm feeling in my body. And I notice if I'm feeling scared. If I'm feeling destabilized, if I'm feeling off-centered, if I'm feeling not grounded, if I'm feeling angry. And usually what takes me there is if I'm in reaction to something. So if I've been triggered and I'm in reaction, that little five-minute check-in can be so helpful to be like, what's actually going on here? You know, maybe there is no trigger, maybe there is no reaction, but I'm just feeling quite anxious. I'm feeling pretty low and depressed. And we don't always have to understand the root of where these feelings are coming from. Sometimes it can be really helpful to trace the feelings back to a root so that we can understand the core wound that is being triggered, if there is a trigger involved. Sometimes that simple acknowledgement of just noticing the feeling and allowing ourselves to feel and expressing ourselves through that feeling can be enough to then just let it go. And then so I'll ask myself, what is it that I need right now? Yeah, sometimes I have things to do in the day that I need to tend to. (laughs) That, you know, Maybe I have a couple of emails or responsibilities because that's also part of, you know, moving from wounded child into wise adult is recognizing we may have responsibilities. We we most certainly will have responsibilities we need to tend to. So how can I hold my hand, even if I'm feeling overwhelmed or low in those moments, um, to still take care of those responsibilities if they need me right now, 
if they're not urgent then and we know they can wait then we can put them to one side and put ourselves first then we go okay what do I need right now you know if I have responsibilities it's like okay well I, I know I need to get these responsibilities done and taken care of so while I do that I'm just going to do it with you know the utmost compassion for myself and for myself and I will hold my hand through it and in you know in the meantime kind of you know nourish myself by let's start the day with a you know a, a nourishing breakfast let's start the day with um a prayer uh let's pray throughout the day you know maybe take a moment within those days to within the day sorry um to just pause for 5 minutes to pray to meditate to take a moment for ourselves my doorbell ringing again <laughs> um or if I have the time for myself and maybe there aren't such urgent responsibilities that need taking care of because it's we're not forgetting ourselves in those responsibilities but it's just noticing that we have responsibilities and how can I be there for myself while I need to carry out these responsibilities because that's still that's a very important um practice of how do we nurture ourselves? Because that's life, right? That's 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 real life. Um, but if we, you know, if we have things that we know don't need to urgently be tended to, then can we take more moments of the day for ourselves? And always, in any instance, in any, in any situation, regardless, are you know, can we ask ourselves? you know, put our hand on our hearts, our ha hand in our wombs and say, you know, what is it that I need right now? What is it that baby Lana is looking for? She's feeling really afraid. There's a lot of change happening right now. You know, I'm moving country. I'm moving out of a home that has held me for 10 years. I was born and raised in London. I've been here all 33 years of my life and now I'm moving. It's a very big change. You know, there's excitement, there's also sadness. Um, there's new beginnings, but there's also a lot of loss. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's a great big deal going on. And sometimes we can be our, our own worst enemies by being so hard on ourselves and telling ourselves, you know, that we shouldn't be feeling this way or that we should be so lucky or get over it or you know, my problems aren't nearly as big as their problems, so I shouldn't be feeling this way. We invalidate ourselves. And I was, I've been, been being really hard on myself. <laughs> and then I let it all pile up until like it gets to overwhelm and I have a breakdown. And so actually, how can I meet those parts of myself before they turn into just an accumulation of suppression and then come out and overwhelm? You know, there are parts, uh, it's bringing up a lot of old wounds for me as well. I think the last big time I experienced great change was when I was 14. And that was the loss of um, uh, my father through divorce. Uh, he's still physically around today, but that was a big loss. And it was one that wasn't communicated or expressed around. And it was just sort of like we all had to get on with our lives and act as if nothing happened. But that's a huge loss in a home. Huge. You know, it's a big change to do with home. 
And those feelings of unsafety and those feelings of uncertainty and those feelings of um, of fear and sadness and, and anger, you know, they all come flooding back. And uh, so it's been a very re-triggering time for me in my life right now, bringing back all those feelings. So I literally sometimes feel like I'm going back to that 14 year old little girl who is so shit scared <laughs> and like I'm saying this and I'm feeling it in my heart I'm physically feeling it in my body as I speak it and that is where I'm obviously holding this fear around my chest you know and in my stomach and just that simple acknowledgement is also so relieving So I just wanted this to be a little reminder today that we are our own best saviors. And I want to leave you with a little practice today of taking those moments to just tune in and taking that moment for yourself to ask yourself, how is it that I'm feeling right now in this space? How am I feeling right now? What's been going on in my life? Just to have that moment of reflection when you can and maybe write it out, maybe journal it down, maybe close your eyes and go into a soft meditation. I have a few meditations um, for bringing ourselves into the present moment up on my YouTube channel, which can be accessed on my website, nourishing.earth. If you scroll down on the homepage, there's a link to it. So you can access if you find it easier to meditate to guided meditations, you can find them on there. Um, otherwise, just tune in and, and go into a, you know, a meditation, even if it's five minutes, to just really feel how your body's feeling. To really just take a moment to acknowledge yourself and allow yourselves to express whatever it is you need to be expressed. Maybe you cry, maybe you scream into a pillow, Maybe you go for a run and shake it all out. Maybe you go to a circle that's being held or an event that's being held that, that creates space for that expression, that cathartic healing. Maybe you reach out to a therapist and you start therapy. Maybe you have one already and you go speak to him or her. Maybe you know a friend who's on this journey and has been on it for quite some time and you want to connect. Maybe they're a stranger and there's someone you follow on Instagram. Whatever it may be. If they remind you and they help bring you back to yourself, then that is such a great, beautiful support. But how can we also bring ourselves back to our true selves? Ourselves. And so what is it when we acknowledge how we're feeling right now and we allow ourselves the space to express, what can we then do to give ourselves love? And that's where the what do I need right now comes in. That's where we usually are craving for a savior. (laughs) Maybe that's wanting to make love to ourselves. Maybe that's wanting to pour a nourishing bath with all the oils and candles. Maybe we want to romance ourselves. Maybe we want to take ourselves for a delicious dinner date. Maybe we want to go and get a massage. Maybe we want to go for a walk in the park. Maybe we want to just dance it out 
and go wild in our living rooms. Maybe we want to run around naked. Maybe we want to jump into a lake. Maybe we want to go and travel to a place we've always wanted to go. Whatever it might be, no matter how big or how small, what is it that you need right now? And how can you give that to yourself? I say this with so much love in my heart. I'm sending so much love to you all. Thank you so, so much for listening and tuning in. And as always, I love hearing from you guys. I love, love, love you getting in touch, sharing your stories, your experiences, and for all your incredibly kind, encouraging um, words that you share with me around this podcast. And if you do want to get in touch and you do want to work together, this is, I know this is very emotional uh, work. This is all very emotional healing work. Um, but it's so much a part of nutrition as well, because the nutrition that I practice is very much naturopathic, which includes the whole. So not just the physical health, but the mental, emotional and um, uh, spiritual health, as well as you know, taking into consideration genetics and environment and science, etc. But a lot of my practice is very much um, inclusive and also stems from, yes, science, but a lot of my own life experience indigenous wisdom practices and uh, a lot of prayer and meditation so if you are feeling called to um, to have some support in that way I can always either refer you to people I know that uh, could be helpful that have been really helpful for me or if you're looking to work more deeply with nutrition um, please check out my website for all the information. It's www.nourishing.earth. And you can also book a free 15-minute video call with me to find out more information. There's a lot of information up on my website. Um, I do sometimes hold events. I have uh, a Wahi Sisters retreat. So I have a, um, we have a little uh, thing called Wahi, me, my sister, and my soul sister, <laughs> Savine, so me, Shireen and Savine hold events in Dubai and they're usually one day retreats or sometimes shorter events. Um, I think we are going to be holding weekend retreats and we put together all of these different kind of practices that have helped us and we essentially are just working to create these communities and places where uh, we don't often find them. So it's been really beautiful to hold. We've been holding it for the last year and a half um, or year even. And uh, we fuse together. Savine brings in the Kundalini yoga. My sister brings in sound. I bring in the nutrition. So you are nourished throughout the day with delicious meals um, that are all plant-based. And uh, sometimes I bring in my yin yoga and um, yeah, and some talks, some wisdom talks. So uh, check it out. You can see all my upcoming events on nourishing.earth or on wahi.life. Um, I think I will be holding one Again, I held one with my dear friend Hannah Grief Circle a couple of weeks ago in London. So while I'm here, I'm going to be holding another one in mid-September. So stay tuned for anyone wanting to join. It will be a listening circle, a circle where we have the space to be, a space to feel. And uh, I'm loving you all. That's a lot to blab about. But if you want to connect, I'm also on Instagram at Lunar Oniari, L-U-N-A-R-O-N-I-Y-A-R-I. Please do get in touch. Please say hi. And I've started a new platform for my nutrition stuff. So if you're uninterested in my personal daily life blabs, then uh, and you just want nutrition tips and informations and uh, helpful things, then 
I've also started a new Instagram page for that, which is nourishing.earth. And uh, I will leave you there, my sweet, sweet friends. And I hope you're all having a beautiful day or you have a beautiful day, evening, uh, whatever that may be like. And I'm sending you all so much love.